Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, Commissioner Tim Bechtel reflects on the successes and challenges of 2021 and looks ahead to the coming year in Hancock County government. Also this morning, what does professional development look like in 2022? As we navigate big changes in the way Americans work, how we advance our workforce in this new normal from the perspective of both employers and employees. Are live Christmas trees an endangered species? Proprietors of tree farms are getting older and fewer young farmers are getting into the business. And while this may be the most wonderful time of the year for us, our pets can often have a much different experience. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, December 22nd, 2021. This is really interesting. In the first year of the pandemic, uh, a story that I definitely wanted to like, put out here first thing this morning, uh, chew on this here. U.S. population growth has dipped to its lowest rate since the nation's founding during the first year of the pandemic. The slowest rate of population growth in the United States since the United States came into being. The country, the population of the country grew by only one-tenth of one percent with only an additional 392,665 people added to the U.S. population from July of 2020 to July of 2021. This is according to the latest data from the Census Bureau. The time period was the first time since 1937 that the nation's population grew by less than a million people. And uh, Census Bureau demographer Christy Wilder says population growth has been slowing for years because of lower birth rates, decreasing net international migration, all while mortality rates are rising due to the aging of the nation's population. And now, add to that the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, this combination, which has accelerated the death rate we keep hearing that in the uh, news every single day and of course uh, fewer people having babies i guess during the pandemic and so uh, that combined with all of the other factors that were already negatively impacting population growth and it has resulted they say, in a historically slow pace of growth. Some of the other uh, interesting breakdowns of the numbers, the voting age resident population of this country grew to 258.3 million. That would be the number of individuals in this country 18 years or older. Now, again, it just demonstrates the aging of the, you have fewer new people added to the population count and You know, everybody who's already here is getting one year older, and so that pushes the average up. Uh, 77.8% of the population in 2021 was of voting age, was at least 18. Uh, The South, the most populous of the four regions of the country, uh, 38.3% of our total national population is in the South. And that was the only region that had positive net domestic migration between 20 and 21. In other words, uh, the number of people who move from one part of the country to another part of the country, domestic migration. Uh, more, 
the only place people are moving is south. Every place else had negative net migration, uh, domestic migration. Uh, Since Census Day, which was April 1st, 2020, since that day, the nation's population has increased from 331,449,281 to 331,893,745. That is a gain of 0.13% or 444,464 people. Now, how they know that exact number, I do not know, but uh, that's what they say. Um, And the South, as we mentioned, the most populous region with 127,225,329 people. Oh, if it gets a whole lot colder, you can add another one to uh, that number. (laughs) But no, that is uh, really interesting. Uh, The lowest rate of population growth in this country since the founding of the the country uh, 200 plus years ago. Uh, last year during the uh, pandemic. Really interesting stuff. The Earth is spinning faster than it did 50 years ago. What is that you say? The Earth is spinning faster today than it did 50 years ago. Uh, Peter Wibberley, he is a scientist with the UK's National Physical Laboratory, says the speed of our planet Uh, The speed that our planet rotates on its axis has varied throughout history. This is not a constant. Who knew? Millions of years ago, the Earth rotated at four. uh, The Earth rotated 420 times per year. Now it rotates 365 times. But right now, the Earth is rotating a bit faster. Maybe because we have fewer people to weigh it down. Go back to the other story here. Maybe these two things are related. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. Um, the uh, the scientist, uh, Peter Wibberley, warns that if the rotation rate increases further, it will affect the atomic clock and require negative leap seconds to be added to our year. The atomic clock extremely precise and measures time by the movement of electrons that have been cooled to absolute zero. So to keep the atomic clock in line with the number of seconds in the rotation of the Earth, leap seconds have been added every 18 months or so since 1972. Did you know that? Uh, There has never been a negative leap second, though, and a system designed to make that possible has not yet been tested. So this is a big problem, apparently. Judah Levine from the National Institute of Standards and Technology says leap seconds, whether they are added or removed, may not be worth the hassle, as in total they would only add up to about one minute of time adjustment for every 100 years. So I don't know. From that, I take away that this is not something we should be concerned with. This is not something we should worry about, that the Earth is spinning faster than it did 50 years ago. Apparently, this is not a big deal, but it sounds like a big deal, you know? It sounds like this should be something we are concerned about, but apparently not. Some of the most, uh, some of the other uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started here. 
McDonald's, this is something to be concerned about. McDonald's is now being forced to take medium and large size fries off its menu because potatoes are in short supply. Um, now, the good news here is that this is only in Japan. I don't know why only in Japan. If it is a regional potato shortage or if that I it. It sounds, from the story, it sounds like this is a, a worldwide global potato shortage. I don't know, potato famine kind of scope on this, but um, according to the fast food giant, they are taking medium and large size fries off the menu in its 2,900 locations across Japan because potatoes are in short supply, Japanese consumers no longer be able to order the larger size side with their Big Macs starting Friday. So, Merry Christmas. McDonald's Holdings Company Japan is blaming a flood at the port of Vancouver for the problem. A flood at the port of Vancouver. Well, if it's a, if it's a problem in Vancouver, uh, wouldn't that indicate that it would be, that would seem to indicate that it would be a problem at more places than just Japan. Is that the only place Vancouver sends potatoes is to Japan? I don't know. I mean, in this country, we have we have good old Idaho. But so we're OK, I guess. But this uh, flood of the port of Vancouver is causing a problem, at least in Japan. And uh, McDonald's says it is exploring alternative flights to Japan to get the spuds there quicker. Interestingly, though, supplies of hash browns have not been affected. So, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to make of that. But it, again, it sounds uh, like it's a very serious thing. So, we, we need to take this seriously. At least if we can isolate the potato shortage to Japan, maybe we'll, we'll be okay. So apparently the NHL is not going to send its players to the Winter Olympics in February. Uh, the National Hockey League reportedly has decided to hold its players out of the Olympics because they're concerned about the spread of the coronavirus. They have already canceled all of their games through Christmas, uh, putting everything on hold to sort of get a handle on this uh, spread. And more and more leagues are having issues uh, the uh, NHL, NFL uh, had football games postponed this past weekend, even though at the beginning of the season they said they wouldn't be postponing games, but things have changed, and now they're scrambling to keep up with this uh, latest surge and this latest variant and uh, and all of that. I think it's uh, rather interesting. I was talking to a friend of mine uh, yesterday. It was, well, it was here at, uh, here at the studios. We were uh, talking in the office. Uh, about the fact that they were delaying all of these uh, NFL games and canceling the NHL games or postponing them or what have you. And uh, it's it's odd that the, that the leagues are uh, taking such drastic measures uh, because players uh, have been uh, testing. Now, no, no players, I, it, to the best of my knowledge, no players in any league or anything have uh, ended up in the hospital or anything. There have been uh, maybe some breakthrough uh, cases, but at best they have been just mild symptoms. Nobody has really come down and become seriously ill among these uh, sports leagues, but still they're postponing games and they're scrambling the schedules and all of that. And yet they're still playing the games in full stadiums. So no, <laughs> 
if they're if they're really all that serious about it. Um, but uh, anyway, in a related note, the NYPD says it is ready to scale back the Times Square New Year's Eve festivities if necessary due to a surge in COVID cases in the Big Apple. Uh, Police Commissioner Dermot Shea told New York One, the department, uh, the uh, news source, New York One, the department is taking a wait-and-see approach with multiple contingency plans in the works if they have to scale back. Uh, The commissioner says the department will be ready to do so. Mayor Bill de Blasio said a decision will be made about the Times Square celebration by Christmas, so this week. We are expected to uh, hear whether there will be a a big New Year's Eve celebration in Times Square or whether it'll be just a lonely ball drop like last year. So here we go again. There you go. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, partly sunny today with a high of 32 Partly cloudy tonight, a low of 24. The city mission of Findlay is handing out Christmas food boxes this week. The mission's Miriam Ibarra says it took an army of people to make this happen. This was all from churches, from families coming together here in Hancock County that said, hey, we know there's a need out there and we're willing to help you guys out, so whatever you need. So we just thought this would be the best way to bless our community. In addition to the food boxes, families can also get a turkey and kids can also get a stocking full of goodies. Get more on the Christmas food boxes on our website. The Ohio Department of Transportation is seeking public comment on a project in southern Hancock County. ODOT is proposing to resurface U.S. 30 from the State Route 235 interchange to just east of the U.S. 68 interchange. Construction may result in temporary ramp closures at those interchanges. If ramp closures are required, traffic at the ramps will be detoured temporarily. Construction is anticipated to begin in the spring of 2023. Get more on the project on our website. A proposal to legalize recreational marijuana for adults in Ohio is now headed to the state legislature for consideration after receiving more than 200,000 voter signatures. That proposal would allow Ohio adults over the age of 21 to buy and have two and a half ounces of cannabis or 15 grams of concentrates. Back in 2015, voters rejected a proposal constitutional amendment for Ohio that would have paved the way for recreational marijuana. ONN's Karina Nova reporting. Get more on our website. Investigators are seeking tips from the public regarding the identity of a man suspected of setting a fire at a supercar wash in Bowling Green in November. The suspect was caught on camera, and investigators are hoping the public will be able to identify him. A reward of $10,000 is being offered for information leading to the arrest and conviction of the person responsible for the fire. And you can see the surveillance pictures of the suspect on our website. Ohio hunters harvested more than 9,300 deer during the extra weekend of gun hunting last Saturday and Sunday. The top three counties for deer taken during the extra weekend were Coshocton, Tuscarawas, and Licking. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Hancock County Commissioner Tim Bechtel is with us in the uh, studio this morning, looking all festive in your Santa hat and all of that. Did you wear that for the uh, for the meeting yesterday? Was everybody all decked out? No, this, we weren't. We should have. Yeah, done that yesterday. That would have been great. <laughs> all business yesterday. 
it is time, that, you know, this time of year when we uh, wrap up the uh, past 12 months, we look back on the uh, year gone by, we look ahead to the coming year, and uh, certainly uh, 2021, like 2020, has had its challenges. Um, let's start there. When you look back on uh, the uh, challenges and successes of 2021, I guess on both sides of the of the spectrum, what immediately jumps out to you? Well, just like private industry, the county was handicapped by the pandemic. Mm-hmm. It just affected so many things of what we were trying to get done. Yeah. And even our workforce, you know, we had people still working uh, away from the office. But um, as we go to um, recover from that, um, the county's experiencing, you know, problem finding um, more people to work. and Just at, like at everybody. A, yeah, yeah. And at a good wage, too, mm-hmm. you know. Traditionally, you don't go into county government even um, in support staff role for the for the paycheck. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's more of a service uh, right. to the community, and certain elected officials are are in that boat as well. But as we're recovering, though, um, we're, we're tracking sales tax numbers from the county level, and um, and and we're doing actually better than expected. That is the that is the positive uh, side. I mean, that is the good news is that uh, revenues have been solid in 2021. Yeah, somehow uh, people still order stuff from home even when they're home. You know, I was so, thinking about I was thinking about this uh, just uh, last <clears throat> night. As a matter of fact, I, how uh, fortuitous was it that a few years ago? Uh, they uh, changed that so to require online retailers to collect sales tax. Yeah, uh, as I, I opposed, believe that really helps us out yeah, tremendously. I mean, where would we be uh, if we were still relying on people to, you know, sort of fess up and, and pay that with their income taxes at the end of the year? Yeah, uh, because the flip side of that is with the restaurants. When you don't have in-restaurant dining, you're not paying sales tax right. on those sure. um, yeah. those bills as well. Mm-hmm. So we're losing there, but we're gaining in the uh, home delivery Mm-hmm. sales tax so we're about 12 percent over 2020 and of course 2020 was a mess so we really can't use that as a good barometer so i go back and look at 2019 we're still about 12 percent uh, above our sales tax figures in 2019 so uh you know it's a good sign that uh, that we are recovered is that is that enough to recover though from the uh shortfall in 2020 I mean, are you back to where you should be and in a, at a comfortable place with respect to, to revenues? Yeah, we believe so. The um, 2020, of course, started out with three just boomer um, months in January, February, and March before mm-hmm. the pandemic hit. So that yeah. set 2020 off on a really good start, even though it had a, a huge dip in the middle. Right. So. Um, so looking forward, and I know, again, this is the time of the year when you start to uh, – uh, allocate or to look at uh, budgeting 2022 and and so on where are you based on these numbers and based on the uh, projections for the year ahead to do you you mean certain projects or projects uh general operating all of that what kind of a position does that put the county in we're in we're confident uh, of what we can do in the future we're we're still going to be very hesitant and um and uh, conservative in what we're 
going to tackle. Mm-hmm. But, you know, our, our chief project, among everything else, is the probate juvenile court. Right. We have got to get that yeah. uh, underway. And again, and, we, t- we talk about uh, successes and shortcomings in 2021. Obviously, yeah. had some big plans uh, f- with respect to that that uh, did, uh, did not come to fruition. And that may be one of the disappointments from the commissioner's side uh, uh, point of view uh, with respect to that. But it is something that will have to be addressed uh, moving forward. Yes. And as we, as we look forward to um, getting that project underway this year, we're, we're back to the site downtown between the post office, the courthouse, the, the jail, and Marathon Center, mm-hmm. that, that um, yeah. parking lot there. And we're working with Judge Johnson to come up with the best solution for that planning. We're trying to minimize the footprint to mm-hmm. uh, preserve as much parking in that, in that area for employees of mm-hmm. uh, city and uh, county. But, uh, you know, I just met with her yesterday, and she had a couple new um, ideas about how to improve the security layout in the in the building and and I think that those are very viable and we can implement that and, and put that into, the into good, motion. The good news there is that you're not necessarily back to square one because those are plans that had been discussed prior. So it's not like with the idea of them all falling through that puts you right back to the very beginning. Right. These plans just need to be um, uh, concentrated down and, and, and boiled down to what we actually need. Mm-hmm. The original plans that we had for that site also included bringing the domestic relations court out of the first floor of the courthouse. We're going to keep them back there for now. It's just too much extra expense to and too uh, burden onto that new building. So we'll we'll have just the essentials of what we need in that new building. Uh, get that here under construction. We're we're going to be um, offering that out as a design build package to uh, expedite the process. And do you expect uh, to be started on that in 2022? Yes. Mm-hmm. Completed in 2022 or no? We'll have to work with the design build uh, firm to see how um, how they um, can schedule that. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, um, we'll get into the construction season right away here on, in 2022. Yeah. And um, again, we're hoping as we come again out of this national recovery with building materials and everything else that we're going to get into better pricing in 2022 than we had even available anywhere in 2021. And certainly it will be a boon to the economy in that respect in getting in terms of getting people back to work and, oh, yes. and so, so mm-hmm. on and so forth. So there is the upshot there. Uh, you also have uh, been a lot of a uh, lot of talk in 2021, and actually even prior to that. I'm sure the discussion will be uh, continued into 2022. Is what to do with respect to jail space? Yes, um, we had the jail study come through. Now um, there's a lot of talk about uh, how to best handle that. We're putting together a committee that's going to um, uh, foster a community uh, out uh, community feedback on that. Um, or working with the city, obviously the, uh, the city, um, uh, feeds a lot of people into the jail. So they have a big input on, on what, uh, that should look like and mm-hmm. how that's handled. Uh, but traditionally that has been handled by our sheriff's office. So, uh, that too, we have to, uh, continue to, um, Given where, yeah. given where the uh, county is financially though, especially again, talking about all of the pandemic impact and all of that. Uh, is that something that, if it's decided, needs to be a major project, would have to be put off until 2023, given what needs to happen with the courts? Can you, I, do, I both, can you do both of those 
it at the same time. I, I, th- I certainly think planning for the, a new jail or a, a jail expansion or whatever it, its form it's going to take could certainly happen in 2022. Funding for that needs to come from um, beyond our community. That the, the size and scope of what needs to be done is more than we can ask Hancock County to to um, um, fund internally. We need to find state funding, federal funding, and it's out there. Mm-hmm. Just a matter of making the right connections and and pleading our case about how important it is to us to have. So, uh, with those two uh, things as the major talking points heading into the new year. Uh, what else is on the table? What else is going to be the what we are going to be talking about with respect to Hancock County government into the new year? Well, we just we can never forget about flood mitigation. Um, uh, we have had great success here in 2021 in acquiring the properties that we need to get to that second benching project downtown. And again, that would be between the two railroad tracks, the Norfolk and Southern and the CSX railroad tracks uh, to to create that second bench to provide more capacity for the overflow water. One of the biggest uh, incentives for us to get uh, moving forward on that was the uh, funding that came from uh, the national um, federal, let's see, let me get the name right, Federal (laughs) Railroad Administration in the U.S. Department of Transportation, the $7.1 million to Mm -hmm. replace the um, Norfolk and Southern Railroad Bridge on the west side of downtown. That's a 100-year-old structure. It needed to be replaced at some point anyway. The, the railroad will benefit from a new, um, mm-hmm. a, a new uh, structure there. But it was a pinch point for us, for, um, yeah. for, the, for the river in getting water through town. So uh, that will be a, a major, uh, and we look to uh, get that benching project underway in 2022 as well. Talking about projects. Yeah. Talking a recap of uh, 2021 successes and challenges uh, in Hancock County government looking ahead to the uh, coming year. Hancock County Commissioner Tim Bechtel with us uh, this morning. Tim, thanks very much for uh, dropping by. We appreciate it. So much, Chris. Merry Christmas. Well, for many, the way we work has changed over the past 18 months or so, and that means adapting to a new normal as we head into 2022 and start to make our personal and professional goals for the new year. We have to adapt that to a new normal as well. Uh, Joining us this morning to talk about professional development in this new world of work is John Jordan, head of the Academy, Bank of America's Global Learning and Professional Development Organization. And John, as we head into a new year, what learning and development trends do you expect to see uh, heading into 2022? Kind of give us an idea of where we're headed with this. Well, as you mentioned, all things are changing around us all the time. And, uh, there's a growing uh, need for technology. I don't know how it is in your house, uh, but I've got four kids. It's technology everywhere, all yeah. the time. Netflix and video games and social media. Uh, and, and I think that during the pandemic, things became more virtual in general. And I think that trend will continue to grow. And new technologies are coming online that, that really help us. I know I've learned how to use web meetings and WebEx. Uh, virtual calls and things like that in ways that I never even thought possible, uh, that will continue to grow. Uh, we've been really excited about some new technologies that help engage learners like virtual reality or augmented reality. Uh, we leverage artificial intelligence to simulate conversations so people can practice having difficult conversations perhaps with other employees or clients or 
or whomever they might be engaging with every day. Um, we launched virtual reality in October uh, across all of our financial center network. And that is really exciting new technology that has been leveraged in sports. And, uh, you know, obviously it's, it's starting to grow in terms of usage. You see commercials now about it, but it's a great way for individuals to really practice things virtually that, you know, they may have used to learn from a manual or from some web-based kind of click-through training. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it creates memorable moments and things that help people feel like they're ready for the job quicker, more quickly, and, and uh, in ways that can be more confident with So what impact does this new normal in the workplace have on the way businesses should approach the learning and career development opportunities that they provide for their staff, for their employees? Well, I think that it requires prioritization, no matter whether you're a big or a small company. Uh, You've got to focus on three questions that employees ask every day, which is, am I going to be proud to work here? Am I cared for at this company? And how can I be successful here? And, you know, the foundationally making sure that the way that you impact the world, the way that you impact employees is a, is a positive one, that people will be proud to be there is going to create retention and, and help people want to stick around and work for the company. Making sure they feel cared for, especially in an environment like now, uh, where they feel like they've got good benefits, they've got good support from managers, um, never been more important than it is now. And then to help them be successful with learning and development, it takes a lot of focus on onboarding well, making sure people are welcome to the company well. Uh, it, it means you've got to really take the time to map out career journeys and make sure that jobs are really clear and the skills that you want employees to have are well thought out versus sort of ad hoc or not even thought out at all. Uh, we've spent a lot of time in uh, coaching and mentoring and investing in technology and, and leveraging outside resources to make sure that employees are surrounded by resources to help them be successful. And I think that you know, it needs to be thought through by every company, again, whether it's big or small, what's, what's going to be the thing that you do to help your employees be successful? You talk about it, and especially this is important in this uh, tight job market that we've heard all about in the past uh, several months, uh, how important this is to leverage uh, learning and development offerings to uh, both retain the talent that you have and attract uh, new talent uh, as well. And you point out that this is not just about the jobs of today, but preparing for the jobs of the future as well. Exactly. I mean, if you really think about where things are going, uh, the skills that you need uh, tomorrow are going to, it feels like they change every day uh, in terms of where uh, you, you think about your career could be. With During the pandemic, we had to reskill tens of thousands of employees to do different jobs to, uh, to adapt to the different client needs based on what, what was changing around us. And I think that showed us, A, how quickly we could do that as a company and how quickly people could learn to do different jobs. And I think for employees, it really opened their idea eyes to what what's possible. Um, that they don't have to be pigeonholed in one skill or one type of job. That they can do lots of different things within their career. So focusing on skills that help you be a more empathetic person, understanding people, uh, you know who they are, what they come, where they come from, uh, helps you be a better teammate. Learning skills to be more resilient and adaptable are so important no matter where the world leads so that you can change quickly, that you can learn quickly, and, uh, and that you have the, the emotional intelligence to really be adaptable no matter what the changing needs 
of the economy or what your company may be asking you to do. Now, we're speaking to uh, companies, particularly forward-thinking companies, about providing development opportunities for their uh, employees. But there are some uh, workers who are left to kind of seek some of these uh, development opportunities out on their own. What advice would you have for those who are kind of going it going it solo in that quest to further their careers and develop new skills? Well, there are so many great resources for people who have the desire and the motivation to learn. And it really starts there, uh, motivating yourself and thinking about what it is that you want to be uh, and having a that is an important place to start. I leverage resources like books. I leverage podcasts almost daily on my commute in and out of the office. Um, there is, there are resources and online universities, there's community colleges. Uh, there's obviously companies that are investing, uh, thousands, if not millions of dollars in training and development programs. So it, it really depends on the individual, but when you do research, you'll see that there are so many resources out there, both things that you can obviously pay for, but also things that are free. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I can learn how to fix a car using YouTube, then people can learn pretty much anything. <laughs> oh, that <laughs> and, is a good point. <laughs> so you can, you can seek out resources, but it does take that, that personal motivation. I mean, it really, everyone needs to own their own development. Um, you know, we try to, I try to train my kids on that front to teach them to say, listen, you know, if you want to learn, you, you've got to be motivated to do it yourself. No one's going to force you to do it. What about those who are kind of in the middle, I guess, for lack of a better term, who people who want the opportunities, recognize the benefits, but maybe aren't in a position to go it alone? Can employees kind of seek out training and development resources from their employers or uh, convince their help convince their employers of the uh, benefits here? Well, I, I certainly think from the start, you want to look for an employer that is making this a priority. Um, yeah. When you're considering where to go to work, uh, you've got to look for a place that's a great place to work. And and learning and development resources are things that I would ask about and inquire about during the interview process. And like you said, once you're there, then advocating for what you want to be, what you want to do is important. Talking to your manager about your development, uh, seeking support and looking for mentors. Uh, things Mentors are, you know, those are free resources, really. I mean, those are people yeah. who you can talk to and get great guidance. I've got a network of mentors, both internal and outside the company, that help guide me in all kinds of topics, being a dad, being a husband, and being a great employee uh, so that I can be successful in all aspects of life. That's that's something I would recommend all of your listeners seek out for their own lives. Talking about professional development in this new world of work as we head into 2022, John Jordan is head of the Academy, uh, Bank of America's Global Learning and Professional Development Organization. Folks can learn more at your website, correct? Absolutely. Bankofamerica.com. You can learn about the Academy, and there's great resources around better money habits if you will need some uh, resources around financial wellness and acumen. And um, thanks so much for inviting me. Take care. Christmas, just a couple of days away. We reported, I think it was last week, we were talking about how, last week or the week before, live Christmas trees, which suddenly became very popular over the past couple of years, after years of uh, sales trending downward, uh, suddenly demand is uh, way up for live Christmas trees, and uh, they're 
in rather short supply uh, this year. You may have noticed if you uh, were shopping for a Christmas tree this year that they were a little tougher to find than they have been in years past. And that may only be more exacerbated in future years because uh, live Christmas trees are, in fact, something of an endangered species as a group proprietors of tree farms in this country are getting older and there are fewer young farmers that are stepping up getting into the business to take over it is the subject of today's everyday agriculture report here is usda contributor gary crawford haven't you got a big tree yeah this here is a tree don't you think it's a little large yeah, no, christmas only comes once a year why not why not if you uh, went hunting for a real christmas tree after the first week of december this year you may have had a little trouble finding just the right tree some farms and tree lots sold out of trees this year one reason goes back 12 to 15 years ago when artificial trees were reducing demand for the real ones and many tree farmers cut back on planting new trees but then, about three years ago, demand for real trees started climbing again. And so here lately, many farmers have increased plantings of trees again, which will be ready in about another 10 years. But as the executive director of the National Christmas Tree Association, Tim O'Connor, says, the question is... If the plantings now that have been occurring will match demand when those trees are ready. So in other words... you got to be forward-thinking in the tree business. Very forward-thinking. Jim Gelson runs this farm. He owns it in northern Virginia, where we get our trees every year. And he says it is a quandary unique to the tree business. What's happening now isn't the case for eight years out. He says, though, that for the big growers to have cut back plantings 12 years ago, that was, as he puts it... Kind of short-sighted thinking that the real Christmas tree market was going to be permanently shrinking. In fact, Jim Gelson thinks just the opposite. He's going around doing presentations to groups of farmers and would-be farmers, telling them... Look, forget about him. Plant Christmas trees. It's here now. You don't have to get federal permits or anything. It's good to go. Get some acreage, plant some trees. And he even has some numbers to prove his case. If you get trees for 20 cents apiece, sorry, I'm going to put 5,000 Norway spruce out in the spring. That's 1000 bucks. In 12 years... They'll be worth a million dollars. What else can you invest in to get a return like that? He says Christmas trees are solid commodities with solid demand now. Yeah, and I think the future looks good. For farmers in general, the average age is about 60 years old, and many Christmas tree farmers are that age or older, which brings up a problem. We just don't have the number of young producers coming into the industry. Blake Rayfeld is a grower and past president of the National Christmas Tree Association. He says many of the folks who grow our Christmas trees started 30, 40 years ago. And many of them do not have a second or third generation to take over the farm. Jim Gelson, getting on in years, has been growing trees for over 36 years, and he told me... I've got a daughter and four boys. They don't want anything to do with the farm work. <laughs> he laughs about it, but it's no laughing matter. Census figures show the number of Christmas tree growers dropping from 20,000 to 15 years ago to about 11,000 today, prompting Pennsylvania tree farmer Jay Bustard to say again... I think we need to encourage younger people to get into the business. But Jim Gelson told us he certainly tried it. Yeah, I've talked to uh, different people in uh, beginner farmer groups and recommended you know you might want to get into growing Christmas trees because you can do pretty well with it and I don't see anybody starting them now. Blake Rayfield says there may be a couple of reasons for that. Like all of agriculture if you aren't within it to begin if you aren't already on the farm producing and have an easy route into it it'd be very difficult to accumulate the capital 
and land to be able to, to produce anything in agriculture, particularly Christmas trees. And that's because even if you get the land and the capital needed to start a tree business from scratch, you won't be able to harvest and sell your first crop for eight to ten years. Who can wait that long? In Washington, Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Hard to imagine a world without live Christmas trees. Looking for a business venture might be something worth checking out. Today's Everyday Agriculture Report. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. What not to do at the company Christmas party. A rookie officer in the New York City Police Department uh, is in a little bit of trouble uh, after she... After she gave uh, 44th Precinct Lieutenant Nick McGarry a lap dance at the holiday celebration there in their uh, Bronx Precinct. The uh, female officer wearing a checkered shirt and black crop top uh, can be seen entertaining her boss, (laughs) her supervisor, uh, in footage obtained by the New York Post. Uh, After it was uh, made public, uh, the uh, police lieutenant uh, basically admitted that he probably made a mistake. (laughs) I would say so. (laughs) I would say so. Uh, Apparently, higher-ups at the NYPD are extremely upset about the incident and have launched an investigation. (laughs) What not to do at your company Christmas party, don't give the boss a lap dance. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, a Texas dog is, you know, uh, how porch pirates uh, have been a, an ongoing problem, uh, not just this Christmas season, but in recent years. Well, a, a dog in Texas uh, is something of a pooch pirate after being caught stealing a 10 pound box of treats from the door of her next door neighbor. <laughs> Willie Mills posted a video of the theft. Uh, from her uh, doorbell uh, camera, uh, the uh, video uh, posted on the uh, website Nextdoor, which is a neighborhood uh, social media type uh, thing for uh, people in the uh, neighborhood. The neighbor saw it and uh, identified the pup as her husky named Kit Kat, who she explained had gotten out of their fenced yard. She had no idea, though, that he had... Uh, <laughs> become a a pooch pirate until seeing the video she did wonder why he didn't seem to uh have much of an appetite that evening (laughs) come dinner time (laughs) 10 pound box of treats off with it uh let's see here speaking of uh holiday themed items you know the elf in a shelf uh, elf on the shelf uh thing if you're a parent you know all about the uh elf on a shelf and you're supposed to move it around each evening and, and so on. And and a lot of parents have fun uh, with this uh, mach- mischievous little elf uh, coming up with uh, unique situations. One mom in Missouri, recently the quote-unquote victim of a hilarious prank in her home involving the elf on a shelf, Mindy Carney of St. Louis, is an ER physician assistant and mom of three uh, who posted... Uh, has gained attention for posting the unique ways that her kids' elves get into trouble. They've done many mischievous things, but the elves took their pranks to the next level by giving her a haircut while she slept. 
<laughs> That's what she had come up with. <laughs> the elves gave her a haircut. Uh, fortunately, she pointed out that she was able to have her stylist remedy the situation. She brought her stylist into this whole thing. Uh, and it was planned. She had donated 14 inches of her hair to the nonprofit organization Children with Hair Loss. Um, but that's <laughs> that's taken the elf on the shelf thing to a, a brand new level there. I like that story. That is pretty cool. Uh, more conventional uh, broken news items here. A woman from the Chicago suburbs has pleaded guilty to pouring boiling water on her boyfriend. Uh, she is going to prison. Now, 23-year-old Alexis Sykes was sentenced yesterday in DuPage County Court to 10 years in prison. The boyfriend is going to recover, but he had to go uh, uh, skin grafting surgery to treat his burns. What makes this uh, part of the broken news, and what makes this really dumb, is that uh, she was caught after she recorded herself committing the crime and posted the video on Snapchat bragging about it. Yeah. Nashville woman under arrest for getting into a fight with a neighbor or with a roommate. 43-year-old Latasha Farrell accused her roommate of taking a pair of shoes. And uh, so she did what I think any reasonable person would do. She attacked her roommate with a large metal lamp. <clears throat> she has been charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Don't get close to me. I got a lamp. I'm not afraid to use it. Don't steal her shoes. Um, 19-year-old Amy Gale of uh, St. Louis, uh, actually uh, Belleville, which is outside of St. Louis. Um, apparently, she went through the Taco Bell drive-thru recently and got, a, uh, got the wrong order. And it's happened to all of us. And you know how frustrating that could be. So uh, Ms. Gale did what any reasonable person would do. She pulled out a gun and shot up the drive-thru window. <laughs> of course, what else would you do? She uh, shot at the window. She shot at the window and then pulled around front and fired more shots. Fortunately, no one injured in the hail of gunfire, but one person had minor injuries from flying, flying glass. Man, what are people thinking? I mean, I understand the frustration, but that's taking it to an extreme. And finally, in the broken news this morning, a New Jersey man has pleaded guilty to posing as a New England Patriots player to fraudulently obtain his family a bunch of Super Bowl 51 rings. <laughs> this is... They get in trouble with the Justice Department from this. This is a federal crime, apparently. Uh, after the game, players, of course, received Super Bowl rings. Scott Spina Jr. wanted to buy uh, one of the rings that uh, family members could get. So he contacted a member of the team and gave him a check, which court documents said he knew he didn't have enough money in his account to cover. Uh, he then allegedly called the ring company, presented himself... As a former player uh, and uh, asked if he could purchase some more. <laughs> uh, I want to get the uh, quarterback a present for his baby. <laughs> quarterback, 
of the New England Patriots Super Bowl 51, of course, Tom Brady. So, <laughs> no, nobody would get suspicious for this. Um, the quarterback referred to, uh, being referred to seven-time Super Bowl champion, five-time Super Bowl MVP, Tom Brady. Uh, Mr. Espina flipped the rings and made $100,000 selling them um, before they were uh, then resold at auction for over $330,000. The uh, Justice Department suggested that the rings, which had Tom Brady's name on them, were worth more when uh, he resold them. Um, when Mr. Spina re- resold them. Oh. How d- how does one uh, uh, fake being a professional football player and get away with that. That's what I, that's what I'm, I, I just don't, that takes, that takes some brass ones there to uh, try and <laughs> pose as an NFL player. I'm going to buy rings with Tom Brady's name on. I'm sure. No, that'll fall for that. No problem. There you go. Uh, that is uh, today's broken news. Uh, this update in the odd and unusual side of the headlines uh, brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. WFIN has something very special for you this Christmas. We've put together a collection of old-time radio Christmas programs for your holiday enjoyment. And we've got the big names. Jack Benny, Bing Crosby, Red Skelton, and more. WFIN's old-time radio Christmas, presented by Pete's Auto Service. A complete schedule of all shows with airtimes is available at WFIN.com. Join us for our old-time radio Christmas specials, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and now at 95.5 FM. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. The online uh, music streaming service Spotify recently rolled out their year-end wrapped feature. It is a personalized playlist that every user gets, which highlights the music that they listen to the most over the course of the past year. So the folks at one poll asked 1,000 Spotify users uh, about their wrapped list this year, and nearly 70% in this poll said that they were too embarrassed (laughs) to share the results. (laughs) 70%. So the upshot that you take away from that is that if you think that the music that you listen to is too embarrassing to share with others, uh, just know that you are not alone. Apparently, most people uh, feel that their taste in music is too embarrassing to share with friends. When asked if they would share the entire Spotify rap list, 68% say they would feel awkward about doing so, compared to just 20% who said they felt no shame, no embarrassment at all. Uh, the survey also noted that one in four respondents did share some of their year-end playlist results to their social media accounts. Uh, four in ten were planning to do so. The uh, results of the survey uh, also found that those uh, of those who felt the most uncomfortable sharing the music that they were listening to, uh, the majority of those uh, listened between 40,000 and 50,000 minutes that's 27 to 34 days worth of music in 2021. Uh, those boasting 10,000 minutes of listening, nearly seven days, felt the least embarrassed. Uh, 55%. Those who listened the most were the most embarrassed. 94%. 
Uh, On the bright side, because a majority of music streamers felt embarrassed by their current libraries, 81% of respondents say they are exploring new artists and new songs to broaden their musical horizons. I I would be interested to know, and the poll doesn't say this, how many people did not realize how embarrassing their music choices were until they saw their wrapped list this year. Emily Revit is here once again from the Hancock County Humane Society. Who did you bring with you here today? Good morning. This is Chestnut. Chestnut. Very well, fitting holiday very, name. Very fitting name. Yes. I think she was named, though, more for her color, but that's okay. Tis the season. There you go. And she is about, look how cute. Her little Santa hat is beside her. She, she decided she was okay She was not going to wear it. Yeah, yeah well, good. that's okay. I'm not wearing mine either. <laughs> Don't worry about it, Chestnut. She she was just sitting here uh, in the studio, and uh, she had her head down on the uh, counter there. Yes, she Just did. looking like, love me. I know, just she love did. Me. She put her little face on the desk, just <laughs> resting it. She She's she's so cute. She's about 30 pounds, so she's a good size. She's... um. She's a nice medium, mid-sized mm-hmm. dog. Yeah. 30 pounds. She's approximately the size of a beagle. She's mm-hmm. not going to get any bigger. Okay. So this is, so her is size it. now, this is what this she is was. She was just a little bit apprehensive when she I, first met you. When she yeah. first met me, but it took like 30 seconds yeah. for her to and warm up. Like, oh, and hey. now she's in my lap. <laughs> now she is in my lap. Hi there. <laughs> How are you? She's <laughs> like, I heard you kind of maybe like beagles <laughs> she is she is absolutely adorable she's and available for adoption she is available for adoption she was just found as a stray oh and her finders they did take her to yeah. their home for just yeah. a little bit and they have cats and she did try to chase the cat oh okay so just so fyi she's not, so she's not a cat dog <laughs> yeah. but, she did uh, they did have a dog or dogs i'm not sure how many but mm-hmm. She did well with them. And the dogs that we've seen her interact with at the Humane Society, she's done well with. She does well with. And the children we've seen her interact with, she's also done well with. But if anyone's interested in adopting her, they do have to bring everybody in their home, Mm -hmm. including any dogs that they might have, just to make sure. Just to make sure. And that actually leads to something that we were talking about the last time we had you in, which uh, I guess was about a month ago. And we talked about how uh, everybody has this vision of, you know, the kids bounding down the stairs to the brand new puppy under the tree with its tail wagging yes. and all of the, the Norman Rockwell uh, image. Not n- not really the best idea <laughs> right. uh, for in, giving a new yes. padded Christmas an actual Yeah, an actual practice that's not really ideal mm-hmm. um, because, you know, you're, at Christmas time, you know, you're so excited, like, yeah. oh, it's so cool, it's so cool. And sometimes the parents think, oh, this is going to absolutely teach my ch- child responsibility. Mm-hmm. And it can sure. if you... If you definitely right. show them the way. And you, you know, one of the th- reasons why you want everybody to meet the pet that you're adopting is make sure that everybody gets along, that everybody hits it off well. That is and, absolutely And correct. so if it's not a good fit, then, then yeah, it's yeah not you're a already fit. you know behind the eight ball. And it's also overload for the pet. It is absolute overload for the pet because they, I mean, you're strangers to them, right. essentially. Mm-hmm. So you have... They have these strangers pawing all over them. Sure. And it's like, whoa. And then you've got maybe more people coming over. Mm, that and, that know, aren't normally over. Yeah. yeah. It's just really a lot of stimulation going on for the pet. Mm-hmm. So to keep the pet 
safe and, and happy and your family safe and happy, we definitely recommend if you do want to make an addition to your family, mm-hmm. maybe wrapping up like bowls, leashes, yeah, collars, something, like that. something that indicates we're getting a dog. Yes. And yeah. then make it a family decision. Now, all of that being said, I'm wondering, is this time between Christmas and New Year actually maybe a good time because for a lot of uh, families have got some time off where you can spend some extended time getting to know the dog the dog can get to know you but not so much time where they get into that separation anxiety when the kids go back to school and you go back to work that is a good it is a good time it definitely is because there there is some time straight up front you know you could teach house training you Mm -hmm. can make sure the pet is (laughs) the pet is acclimated to your home a little bit so it is a good time Mm -hmm. but just make sure it's a family decision we have had families come in they're like we want this dog and then the kids are crying like in the corner it's like this probably isn't the best best pet for you because you don't know how your child's going to react either for some for whatever reason they could be afraid and that's not you know, we we mention uh, the overstimulation aspect of uh, of dogs. We were saying, you know, before that while this may be the most wonderful time of the year for us, our pets can often have a much different experience, and this would hold true even for a pet that you may have had for years. That is absolutely true. What is the best way of dealing with pets and? Uh, family gatherings and all of that so typically people know their pets best Mm -hmm. um if you know if you know that your dog is super social and by that whenever your your cousin comes over or your nieces and nephews the pet bounds to the door and Mm -hmm. is like so happy to see them then you kind of know okay it's it's okay for him or her to be out but if your pet is hiding or avoids Mm-hmm. I would definitely recommend giving your pet their own safe space, maybe a spare bedroom, a spare bathroom. Yeah, you know, uh, and for our dogs, it's kind of like the opposite. Uh, they're they're too social, oh, yeah. and, yes. and they overwhelm the guests. <laughs> yeah. And I've always wondered is it is it a mean thing to do to our dogs to put them into uh, a bedroom or whatever, right, right. Uh, at least to give them a chance to, to calm down a little yeah. bit until until things uh, settle down. That actually may be a good thing. It, it is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not. It's, Don't feel guilty no, about that. No, it, it, and I definitely understand where you're coming from the guilt yeah but no it's actually better for the pets better Mm -hmm. for everybody involved because they're only going to be in away for a short period of time and it keeps them safe too keeps them not accidentally getting into things that they shouldn't get into right so it is it is a good thing that's another uh thing that we have to keep in mind pet owners have to keep in mind is this time of year there are all kinds of things that pets can get themselves into that can uh become dangerous uh, both for themselves and for the family. That's true. That's very true. So that it's so that it definitely keeps them extra safe if you're putting them away. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry if your niece, your two-year-old niece, is accidentally feeding them chocolate, or if they're getting into cats are getting into string, like, or they're swallowing something that they should not be swallowing. Mm-hmm. So that way you can. So, you know, you have peace of mind and the pet is safe. Yeah. Also, if you don't lock up your pets, it would be ideal to get them, like, take a picture of them before people start coming in and out in case they run out. Mm. So that way you have a current up-to-date picture, get a collar on them, so that way... 
Yeah. You know, if they do get out, you can get them right back away. That is a, a good uh, good thing to do. And uh, to update their uh, tags. I, I yes. know, uh, and again, we've been guilty of this in, in the past. We haven't moved for a long time, but, uh, you know, when you move, one of the last things that you think about is, oh, the dog collar has our old address, yeah. maybe an yeah. old phone number yep. uh, on yep. it. Yeah. So definitely make sure that's updated. So. And if you have a microchip and you've moved or changed numbers, update that microchip as well. Okay. So uh, some really good advice here uh, as we come up on the time for all of the uh, holiday gatherings. And if you are interested in chestnut or any of the other animals that you have up for adoption at the Humane Society, uh, how are you doing that? now is it back to in person or is it still online we're still doing the online applications okay if someone comes out and we don't have a current application we will absolutely let you in Um, but we do definitely recommend filling out an application for a pet and you can do that at www.hancockhumanesociety.com with that application (laughs) (laughs) she just discovered something underneath the counter oh (laughs) gosh She's going to pull it out for you. You know, I'm not sure. I don't think there's a toy under there, but uh, anyway. So folks can find that information on the website. Yes, on the okay. website. And with the application, we can better match you with the pet that you're, you, we might have the perfect pet for you, but you, you're thinking something else and we can just, we can let us help you to match the right pet to you. Well, I can't imagine uh, too many families that Chestnut wouldn't be Right, she's a good uh, she's girl. Absolutely uh, adorable. Uh, more at our webpage. We've got the link up at goodmornings.net. Natalie Rappin from the uh, Humane Society of Hancock County. Thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. And that will put a wrap on our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program, of course. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. That is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, after months of social isolation, has your child forgotten how to behave around other people? We have strategies to help avoid awkward and uncomfortable issues at your upcoming family gatherings because nobody wants to deal with a meltdown. Until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.